Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. God is good. We serve a mighty God, a wonderful God. God who's in the restoring business. If God takes the time to correct you, there's chances He cares enough to want to see you saved. But if He's not correcting lately, chances are we're the ones out of line. And that's the truth, because if He would, if he would take the time to correct, it shows me I have a chance still. But if I can't hear His voice correcting me, and everything seems to be honky-dory for time and time and time, and I ain't heard from God in a long time, chances are I'm so far away, He's speaking, I'm not hearing. Praise God. Let's hope that He speaks to us today, speaks into our spirit, speaks into our lives, speaks a very direct word into our situation. Let's, let's let Him move. Is that all right? Praise God. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read a little bit of a lengthy scripture here, but I promise I won't be long. The Lord gave me a direct word. I'm going to just speak it and get it done with because that's what he told me to do. Matthew chapter 14, verse 1 says, At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. For Herod laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before him and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her what? Soever she would ask, and she being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given her, and he sent and beheaded John in the prison, and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. Brother Pleo, would you pray? Everybody said amen. You may be seated. For a few moments, I'd like to speak on this topic, the danger behind the dance. The danger behind the dance. Herod, although he wasn't a Christian man, he was still a human nonetheless. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't a man of God, a priest. He was just a ruler in this country. He was just human. He was still human nonetheless. He was still faced with temptations of life and lust just like any other human being. I've heard it said before, the devil won't bother people in the world because he already has them. And at some point in time, I understand and I kind of agree with that. But on the other, th the other hand, what was being bargained for, what was written on the price tag here this day, what was, what was being asked for as a payment was not Herod's soul. Herod had already given that up long before. Herod had already signed over his, 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 his rights to where he wanted to spend eternity long before he called for the dancer. What was being bargained for wasn't the dancer's chance of ever making it. 
It wasn't being decided on, on because of who was dancing or what the decision was. No, the danger of the return trip to that buffet line isn't always concerning the one eating. Let me say that again. The danger in what you do is not always going to damage you at first. The danger of what you choose to do with your decisions is not always just going to affect numero uno. It's not always going to be a hammer and judgment on top of your head and no one else feel the consequence. John the Baptist, the prophet, the man of God, was the one on the chopping block when Herod was sinning. When Herod was making mistakes, John the Baptist was about to pay the price. What's the point? I've already come too far. I've already done this time and time. I can't seem to get victory over my mistake. I can't seem to get victory over my lust, over my problem. What's one more time going to hurt? What's one more dance with the devil really going to cost me today? It may not cost you today. It may not cost you tomorrow. But there's a man of God in your life somewhere who's on his knees in a prison cell, who's literally bound by things you're doing because he wants to see you set free. Why should I stop now? Why should I change? What is the difference now? I've already lost the war. I've already given up. I've already lost too much. Why should I quit when there seems to be nothing at stake anymore? I wonder how many people have really come to that realization in their mind. They've lost everything. Their promises are gone. What God said would happen for them hasn't happened yet, like we heard about last week with Abraham and Sarah. I wonder how many people have given up on the promise of God just because you can't seem to give up on your sin, because you can't seem to give up on your habits or something that held a hold of your ankles and gripped you and said, I've got a hold of you. I've got you right where I want you. So, so many people throw in the towel because they feel the grip of the enemy on their feet. One more day with Delilah isn't going to be a problem. One more trip to Timnath, uh, Samson said, isn't going to hurt me. Yet he left blinded, he left weak, he left bald, he left completely helpless. And somewhere down the line is a Samuel. Somewhere down the line is a prophet. Somewhere down the line is a Ron Herring, is a Clint Playle, is a J.R. Blackshear, is somebody who's willing to get on their knees, who's willing to go to a prison cell for you, who's willing to face all hell and high water just for your soul, just for your well-being. Yet we still seem to drink from the cup. Every time we desire it. Some friend, you need to realize there's more at stake than you. The danger with the dance, the danger behind the dance is that it feels good for a little while. It feels great for a little while. I've heard it said recently that backsliding feels so good. And that's the truth. If you've ever backslidden and fallen from grace and fell away and, and had the mercy of God pull you back, you can, you can contest to that. That is so, so lulling to sleep. It's such a relaxing feeling when you finally give in and say, I don't care anymore. Why is that? Why is that? Because the devil wants you to fall asleep to this. The devil wants you to realize nothing's left. You have no hope. You have no future. Why are you fighting for it? Why are you still here? Why are you still coming Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, praying every morning, reaching a throne? Why? Your hope is gone. You've got nothing left. That's a lie from the enemy. You've got everything left. If God is still pulling on your heart, if God is still bringing you and tugging, there's a 
reason for it. Don't give up now. Don't give in to the dancer's wish now. Hallelujah. And meanwhile, every trip we take to Timnath, Herod is binding the hands of the man of God in our life. We call the pastor, I need help, pray for me on this. Yet we turn around and go right back to the bar stool. But pastor, pray for me. And we turn around and we call that number we should never call. And, oh, but pastor, I need help with this. And we turn around and we get online and do what we shouldn't do. Oh, this is too heavy. I don't want to hear this stuff. I'm sorry you don't want to hear it. But God wants somebody to make a change today. God wants to see you saved today. He wants to see me saved today. It's the mercy of God that will stop me in my tracks and tell me, not anymore, Brad Herring. You need to stop here. There's a line in the sand. That's the mercy of God. That's not judgment. That's mercy. Judgment comes after. Herod's saying, just dance for me and I'll give you what you want. The devil says, just do what I ask you and I'll give you the kingdom. What did God say to that? Don't you tempt me. Don't you tempt the Lord your God. That's what God spoke to him. We need to speak the Lord's words back to the devil. Every time he throws your past in your face, every time he throws your mistakes in your face, but you did this, Brother Stacy. I remember that one time you thought that. Remember that time you said that? You went this place, you did that. Every time the devil does that to you, you need to tell him, Satan, get behind me. Tempt not the Lord your God because I am a child of the king. I've been buried in his name. And when I was buried in his name, so was my mistakes so was my past so was my problems the danger in the dance is that I give him one more dance one far too many I give him an inch he becomes my ruler and I think I just I, one more ain't gonna hurt one more didn't hurt last time one more didn't hurt the time before that I'm still here aren't I and the devil starts reeling you in and reeling you in and reeling you in and reeling. Pretty soon you're going to be close to shore. Pretty soon you're going to be within his reach. Pretty soon he's going to have a grip on you that you can't get out of. Not without the Holy Ghost. Not without a man of God. And the longer that we let the devil reel us in, that man of God gets farther and farther and farther away. And his prayers seem to hit a ceiling. Why? Because you stepped out from the grace of God. And we've stepped out from his protection. And the man of God says, why? I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm pleading for their soul. I don't know why you're not moving, God. Move. And God says all along, if they would let go of what I told them to let go of last time this would not be happening oh that's too hard for me I don't want to hear it that way that's fine you can leave that's okay but I'm telling you what God told me to tell the church if you don't like it we can talk at the church but it's not going to change God said to tell it I'm going to tell it and that's how it's going to be we're going to change today right we're going to let God lead us to heaven right hallelujah don't get mad at me get mad at God not me God of heaven and what you thought all along would cost from your kingdom is now being deducted from a different person's account. You see the effects on your family, but you still feel fine. You see your children making mistakes you made three years ago, and you're, you feel fine. You see your wife go in the wrong direction, but you still seem to be making your mistakes and being okay in it. What I'm telling you is the God, judgment's going to come, okay? It is. You read in 2 Peter chapter 2, it talks about uh, keeping people alive just for judgment. That's scary. That's real scary. Check it out. Check, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 
But if you start to recognize things in your family being affected, your wife, your kids, your mother, your in-laws, your grandma, and people are in their life are starting to fall away and you're still making the same mistake, chances are the deduction from Satan is coming at the head of your family, the head of your pastor, the head of your pastor's wife, and they're on the chopping block while you're dancing for what the devil wants. One more dance ain't going to hurt. I'm sorry. One more dance cost John the Baptist his head. One more dance cost the prophet to be cease and not exist no more. One more dance could take your children out. One more dance could kill your husband. One more dance could take your wife out. One more dance could be the end of your marriage. One more dance could be what it is, the line in the sand. I don't know about you, but that makes me not want to dance no more. That makes me want to change who I dance with. That makes me want to change dancing partners praise God Ecclesiastes 10 and 8 says he that diggeth a pit shall fall into it and whoso breaketh a hedge a serpent shall bite him I'm almost done I see the clock don't worry there's a little old story you could look it up a little girl's walking a mountain path and she comes upon a little like a little bridge and there's a snake laying beside it and he's shivering he says I'm cold I'm cold pick me up and carry me to the other side she goes no you're a snake you'll bite me and he says no I promise I won't I'm just cold carry me over there she says no I can't you'll bite me he says I promise I won't so she picks him up and he bites her and she says what are you doing you said you would he said I'm still a snake <laughs> Sometimes we need to let go of snakes in our life. They may have said they've got your best interest at hand, but they really don't. They're going to come back to bite you one day. They're going to come back to tear you apart one day. Let's let it down today at an altar. Why? Because it says right there, he that diggeth the pit will fall. I say we fill some pits in today and make some altars. Is that okay with you? Praise God. Praise God. The danger of the dance. I don't know about you, but there's so much in this Bible you could put with that. Not just one story. Not just one little pull, pull from, but we could sit and talk about it for hours of, of the danger of a dance. Samson was one of the biggest ones when he went back to Timnah. When he went to Gaza looking for a harlot. He knew, he knew better. He, was a he knew better. Yet he still went looking for it. Many of us in this house, myself included, have gone looking for things in places we should never be. We have gone places we should have never stepped. We have looked at things we should have never looked at. We have called people we should have never called. We, should, we have texted people we should have never texted. Why? Because the devil is seeking to devour my soul, your soul, their soul, kids' soul. Why? Because he hates you. He hates God. He wants to see you fail. Don't look at yourself in the mirror and say you're a failure. Say, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to step to that podium again and do that. I'm not going to step up and do that again. Why? I don't want to dance no more with the devil. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody felt like the word of the Lord got preached to them? Good word, Brother like to turn to Ezekiel 36, or 37 actually.
Ezekiel 37. We'll look at starting at verse number 1. I'm going to read three verses, just a portion out of there. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Brother Brad, I had no idea what you were going to talk about today, but I'm just going to add a little explanation point on the end of this. He said, the danger is in the dance, and I'm going to talk about being dry. Being dry. Oh, we can relate to things being dry lately because hardly have we seen rain, and since the beginning of June, it's been dry. Record warm temperatures. We have dried up swamps. Brother Lance and I drove in areas that were normally two, three, four feet deep with water, and you could never even get across, and there was no water in them. Swamps, lakes, even wells have gone dry. I'll spare you the facts of the details of the importance of water on the earth. But I want to tell you just a few details about the importance of water to a human being. Water is critical to our survival. It may be the single most important factor to having good health. Several sources tell me, depending on your makeup, your body mass, muscle mass, that somewhere between 60 and 70% of your body weight is water. Water helps oxygen be delivered throughout your body. Water helps regulate your body temperature. Water lubricates your joints, your discs, your tendons, your muscle sheaths. Show me somebody, show me somebody. Brother Shannon, that's dehydrated. I'll show you someone's going to have some muscle cramps. They're going to be achy and shaky, not feel so good. Water flushes, Brother Anthony, the toxins and the waste out of our body, whether it's through urine or feces or through sweat. Water flushes it out. It's important those things get flushed out of your system. Water helps our digestion process from the saliva and the mucus in your mouth down to the very stomach acid that breaks down the food to the intestines that allow the food to be absorbed as nutrients or strength in your body. Water keeps our brain functioning like it should. Keeps it alert, keeps it sharp, allows the voluntary and the involuntary reflexes to do what they're supposed to do, as God purposed. Our cells, they die every day, Brother Mike. Throughout your body, your cells are dying by the, by the thousands, and maybe even by the hundreds of thousands. But the way God designed us, it was for those cells to be then replenished. 
to be renewed and brought in and take the place of those that are dying off. But you take somebody who's not hydrated properly and you stunt the new process of growth. You stunt it. And sometimes you even stop it. Much medical research supports the findings of diseases and imbalances and fatigue and frailty and organ failure and cancer, memory-related illnesses due to continuous, continuously being underhydrated, dry. dry. You do not replenish. You do not refill. You get dry. And you get drier. And you get drier. There must be a means and there must be a method to which we replenish that which is lost through everyday life. It's not including if you work physically, Sister Tina, or you are, you know, a prone to sweating excessively because of heat or you just sweat a lot like a lot of you ladies you sweat a lot guess not Ezekiel 37 11 tells us that our bones are dried and our hope is lost What you're talking about, Brother Brad, our hope is gone. Things are bleak. Things are hard. Things are difficult. Things are dark. One of the things that was overwhelming is Brother Lance testified of the lightning experience we had the other day. It just turned dark outside. The sun was blocked out and there was no light. It was dark. And sometimes that's how life is, Brother Richard. It gets dark. It gets difficult. It gets bleak. As I begin to look around me, I see hopelessness. I see despair. And I wonder, can I get through what I'm going through? Can I make it? The people of God had become uninterested. They no longer were involved. Things that once excited them, Brother Richie, now had been replaced with things, distractions, and other interests. They became dry. They got dry, Brother Brad. They just lost it. They began to fall apart. And when Ezekiel came to that field, all that was there was just the remnants, what was left over of a mighty people. A memory of what they used to be piled in bones, Brother Colin. With no order and no array, just a pile of bones. I wonder, is it possible that we 
me, you, get dry because we don't replenish what's necessary in order to make it through this life. I'm thankful when people come to church and they don't feel it. I've heard people say, Brother Stacy, why don't you just stay home? No, don't. Don't because there's hope for you in the church house. There's hope for you in the presence of God. There's hope for me in the presence of God. Good things can happen. Prayer becomes ritualistic and repetitive instead of inquisitive and desperate. Paul's prayer, that I might know him, was not one of repetitiveness or boredom. Reading becomes more of a chore than a pleasure. Fellowship becomes inconvenient. Now talk to somebody in the Holy Ghost today. Fellowship becomes more inconvenient than it is enjoyable. We need each other. And we need preaching. Because they got dry, it no longer stirred them or moved them. Paul described to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, verse 19, same book. He said that they became past feeling. They just became numb to God. Now, I know nobody in here has ever felt that before. But if we're honest, we've all felt that before. We just felt that somewhere in our life we have just become dry. We've become indifferent. We've become lackadaisical and lethargic. And we're no longer as sharp as we used to be. We're no longer as bright and energetic. And things that never bothered us before begin to bother us. We get irritable. We get mad at the preacher. We get mad at the song leader. We get mad at our spouse. Somebody needs to take their thumb out of their mouth and stop sucking that thing. Paul said it like this. He said, you need to stop sucking on a bottle. Time to start eating some meat. But they got dry. They got indifferent. He said that past feeling and they've given themselves over unto lasciviousness. You're preaching, Brother Brad, I was thinking. Never, never does our sin only affect us individually. Never. Listen, Dad, what you're doing in the dark, you're affecting your kids. Listen, Mom, what you're doing at the computer screen thinking that nobody knows about, I promise you, you're affecting your girls, you're affecting your marriage, you're affecting those around you. It's always, it always affects everyone around us. Dry. He said they've given themselves over lasciviousness. And it means to be lewd or lustful. And, and, and other words that are very, very similar to that. Filthy, impure, nasty, uh, obscene, profane, even pornographic. That's lasciviousness. Why? Because they got dry. And they let themselves be that way. But thank God, he took that prophet 
And he said, I want you to go prophesy unto the bones. In the CEV, verse 4, it says, these dry bones, he said, listen to what the Lord is saying to you. Don't tell me preaching isn't important. Don't tell me preaching doesn't got a place in our life. Preaching is of the utmost importance. Preaching will save us, Brother Robbie. Preacher will, preaching will deal with things that I think are hidden. Because that's how much God loves me. It tells me there's still hope for me. So I haven't properly hydrated. So I've allowed some things to slip. So I've stopped doing some of the things that are very important in my life. But it's not too late. It's not too late to get back on the bandwagon. Why? Because the preaching, the preaching is going to make a difference. Preaching will put us back together again. That's what it does. Because as Ezekiel was prophesying to the bones, he said there was a loud noise. And the noise was the bones being put back together. He said, verse 7, before I was finished, I heard a rattling noise. The bones were coming together in the CEV. That's what preaching does. It puts it back together. Anybody ever feel like you come and you're just in a mess? You're just in pieces? I'll never forget, I brought a snow machine from my son-in-law. It was in pieces. It's just like, oh, all you got to do is just put a couple things together. Yeah, right. Thing was a basket. It was a bucket. The more I looked at it, the worse it got. Just like some of us sometimes. We're a basket. We come in here and we're a heap. And we can't even really tell you what we're feeling. Just that we're feeling like we're, we're all a heart and, and a disarray and, and pulled from having any semblance of order. And someone walks up and goes, how come you just seem like you got it all together? And someone recently tell me that, so when do I have life like you where you don't have any problems? No one's ever said that to you, like. <laughs> and you just know that, oh, if you could only see behind closed doors. If you could only see when I'm just getting ready to go to bed and everyone's asleep and I'm crying on the sofa. I found myself in the car, pounding my hands against the steering wheel, just wondering, God, is there any end to this mess and disarray? Could you please put me back together? Could I just have one thought that resembles sanity? Dry bones. Can they come back to life? Yes, they can. The rattling of the noise of the bones coming back together. Verse 7. 
we just heard Wednesday night, Brother, I mean, Brother Walter said that 137 of Luke, it said that, for with God nothing shall be impossible. I can't put this thing back together. Brother Stephen, I can't do it. I took that snow machine, I looked at that, and I know some of you guys are way more skilled than I am, but I looked at it and I finally said, I don't think so. And I asked Brother Robbie, who should I call? He gave me the name, I said, hi. I'm a friend of Robbie's. And he tells me, you have a way of putting things back together and make them run again. He goes, uh, how bad is it? I said, well, it's in a couple boxes. Put it back together. Thank you. And then I sold it. But God can take the mess we bring Him, our lives, our, our fears, our troubles, our, our doubts, our unbelief. He can take our sin-stained and marred life and just begin to clean it up and put it back together. What a beautiful little song it is about the, about the master who takes the violin that looks oh so rustic and falling apart and makes it produce melodious music. That's what he can do for you and what he can do for me. For thou art my hope, Psalm 71, verse 5. We're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2, verse 13. I love to sing. I do. I love to sing in the car. I don't like to sing out in front of everybody else, but I love to sing. And I love to even make up songs. I know none of you do that. Riding on a four wheel, I'm just making up a song. And I know the caribou are going, that sounds pretty good. Or not. I love it. I love the worship. Brother Brad began to relate in the opening portion of the service about the importance of praise and, and, and thanksgiving and being thankful. You see, God took the bones and He put the bones back together, but there was still no life in the bones. Because there's more than just having it all together. We need to have the Spirit of God. He talked about having the winds. He prophesied to the wind. And I'll get ahead of myself. It doesn't matter. I want to be done. Prophesied to the wind. In the very beginning of the Bible, when God breathed, the word was rocha, R-A-U-C-H. means Spirit. He put His Spirit upon the water. He put His Spirit in the nostrils of mankind. And when we are dry like this, this had happened here. It's not that the Spirit is gone, but it needs to be revived. That's what the Holy Ghost was all about. The Spirit of God dwelling in us. His Spirit. His stamp, Ephesians 1.13. His seal of approval. God in you. It's the hope of glory. It's talked as the one eight of Acts. It's it's a power. 
It's a dudamis. It's an explosive power. Singing and praising is what happens when you get around the presence of God. Paul was a preacher among preachers. But when he found himself in the midst of stocks and bonds and being beaten in the innermost part of the prison, the Bible says that he began to sing and he began to praise God. You can sit on your hands all you want. But when you begin to allow what's happening in the spirit to come on the dry bones, what happens is you get an appreciation. I get an appreciation. Brother Ken, I'll wake myself up out of a stupor. I'll force myself. Because his spirit is upon the bones and he's bringing life to them. He had the bone upon bone. It was covered with flesh, verse 8. But then there was no breath in them. And so he prophesied to the wind, verse 9, breathe that they may live. And they came back to life, verse 10, out of the CEB, enough to make a large army. Without his spirit, we're nothing more than dry bones. Is it possible, Hosea 13, verse 15 says, that his spring shall become dry and his fountain shall be dried up? Was it more than just that army or that group of people that God was trying to talk to or talk about from Ezekiel 37? Is it more than the fact that the nation had backslid? Is it also applicable for today in our lives? Anyone ever been seriously dehydrated before? See it. Brother Lance, what did it make you do? Weak, sickly, headaches, muscle cramps, vomiting, just complete organ failure in the, in the worst cases organ failure, brain shuts down, heart stops doing what it's supposed to do. In the spiritual realm, we've got to be conscious of the fact that we need to constantly be refilled. I'm thirsty. Isaiah 44, 3 says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. 63 and 1 of Psalms, it talks about my soul thirsteth for thee. You see, we're thirsty for God. That's something that we need. That's a, that's a void. And when we're not constantly putting that back in, what happens is we get dry and we become just like that valley of bones. No longer am I going to make good choices, Brother Brad. I'm going to make bad choices. I'm not going to look at the consequences because all I care about is another dance. All I care about is me. I don't care about anything else. John 7, verse 37 through 39 says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers 
of living water. That doesn't sound like somebody dehydrated. Sounds like somebody full of the Holy Ghost. That's somebody who's got a, re- got a grasp on things and they recognize how important the Word of God is. How important preaching is. How important fellowship is. How important altar service and singing and thanksgiving and prayer and reading and all is important. This spake he of the Spirit which he that believeth on him should receive. The woman of Samaria in John chapter 4 said, If you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask of some of the living water that he has. I'm paraphrasing that, but Jesus is telling that woman, Hey, I don't care if it's your time or not. There's water here for you. Verse 14, he says, The water I give him shall in him be a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. And she said, Give me this water that I thirst not. Stand, if you would, please, this morning. He was saying, I'm thirsty. I'm dry. I want, I want to be renewed. I want to be refreshed. I've allowed myself to go far too long on empty. Can I get an amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just keep thinking, I can keep going. I can keep going. I can keep going. I pray to God, a Sunday school teacher, preacher's wife, seasoned saints hearing me today. You got to get refreshed and refilled and renewed like everybody does. I got to get refilled, brother. It's not all about getting ready for Sunday message or Wednesday night. It's about all through the week because I've found that if you wait three or four days, you get pretty dry. You wait to find a place to pray only to Wednesday night and Sunday morning. It's hard. Not impossible, but it's hard. It's not hopeless, church. It is something that happens. It's something that we every once in a while neglect, whether new or seasoned. I see Elder Sister Harrington, whom I have the most utmost respect for. I love you, Sister Harrington. I appreciate your faithfulness and your consistent, steady walk. But I think with with the utmost of confidence. I can say there have been times that you let yourself get dry. I'm so thankful He doesn't give up on us. If you're feeling like you need you need that putting back together and you need that refilling I invite you to these altars this morning. I do. I invite you. I invite you. 
Some of you, can I just preach to you? It's been a very long time since you prayed through at an altar. A very long time. Some of you haven't shed tears in far too long. Some of you know what I'm talking about and you're just afraid of what's going to happen when you do give in. Please don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Every one of us need a refilling. Every one of us need a re readjusting. Every one of us needs some things tweaked and moved and changed in our lives. Brad preached it. He said, there's a danger in the dance. What are you waiting for, sister? What are you waiting for, brother? What are you waiting for? How about a cold sip of water? How about some fresh water? How about a fresh drink? No one's going to judge you. You won't give up. No one's going to condemn you. You won't even shake you. You don't want to be prayed for. It's all right. We won't do that. Take 